If you're a vagina owner and you're thinking, whose vagina is this and why is it on my body? This episode is for you. 70 to 80% of women experience genital changes as a result of menopause. And those changes explain why your vagina is like the Sahara Desert and your bladder is on overdrive. I'm Dr. Lauren Stryker, a gynecologist, best-selling author, and a nationally recognized menopause expert. When it comes to menopause, midlife, and what comes after, I'm betting you've not gotten a lot of information from your own doctor. If women are given good information, they'll make good choices. And I'm here to give you the inside information. The original version of this topic was episode three, but I have more to say, so I thought it was time for an update. Prior to 1998, men who were unable to maintain an erection were said to suffer from impotency. Think about it. It's bad enough to have a penis that won't cooperate, but then to have a diagnosis that implies you're also weak, incompetent, and powerless, too much to expect any man to deal with. A guy who was impotent didn't just have a medical problem. He was a personal failure. No way was he going to make an appointment to discuss his impotency with his medical doctor. The poor guys had to suffer in silence. In 1998, the impotent man disappeared. Enter the man with ED. The man with ED was handsome, successful, and sexy. The man with ED felt so powerful and confident that Senator Bob Dole, a presidential candidate, went on national TV to proudly talk about his newly functional penis. So who propagated the term erectile dysfunction? The people who had a lot to gain from men admitting that they had a problem. You know where I'm going. It was the inventors of Viagra who launched one of the most brilliant marketing successes of the 20th century. Pfizer launched Viagra and at the same time introduced an advertising campaign that redefined impotency as erectile dysfunction. The condition was not only normalized, but it also gave men the language to talk to their doctor about it so they could comfortably ask for a prescription. So much easier to go to a doctor and say, hey, doc, I have ED. Can I have a prescription for that little blue pill instead of, hey, doc, I'm impotent. Got anything that will help me? So why am I even bringing this up? Well, for every man who suffers from erectile dysfunction, there is a woman who suffers from vaginal atrophy. Women with vaginal atrophy have vaginal walls that are so thin and dry that intercourse is either excruciatingly painful or impossible. But like men who are impotent, no woman, even if they're familiar with the term, wants to have vaginal atrophy. I mean, talk about a buzzkill. Honey, my vagina is atrophied. I can't have sex tonight or ever. And as a gynecologist who's practiced for decades, I can count on one hand the number of women who told me the reason for their visit was vaginal atrophy. Right now in the United States, there are well over 50 million women who are no longer producing estrogen and another few million who are perimenopausal. Despite the fact that up to 70% of these women avoid or have abandoned sex as a result of dry, thin vaginal walls, only 7% of women are treated despite the availability of multiple safe and effective options to make sex pleasurable and in many cases possible. And I can't help but think that if women had comfortable terminology to bring up the topic, a lot more women would get treated. A recent New York Times article interviewed physicians about the use of the term vaginal atrophy and why it's problematic. Well, they forgot to interview me in spite of the fact that I've been talking about this for years, 10 years to be exact. When I published SexRx in 2014, I wrote an entire section on why the term vaginal atrophy is problematic and introduced what I thought was a fabulous alternative, genital dryness, GD. 
I thought, this is great. The guys have ED, women can have GD. Easy to remember, slips off the tongue, and gets rid of the negative connotations of having a dried up shriveled vagina. Obviously, it never took off. My husband thought it was because it was too close to God, you know, GD, G-O-D. And while I thought it was kind of cool to refer to your vulva and vagina as God, evidently the rest of the world did not. Genital urinary syndrome of menopause, or GSM, is the current correct medical terminology that was introduced in 2013. It acknowledges that a lack of estrogen affects not only the vagina, but also the vulva, the external genitalia, and the urinary tract. At that time, I was still lobbying for GD, but I lost, and the correct term is GSM. Okay, I'm over it. Genital urinary syndrome of menopause is not just about the sexual consequences of vaginal and vulvar changes. There are plenty of women who are not in the least interested in sexual activity, but are dealing with non-sexual genital issues such as irritation and burning. And then there are the urinary symptoms. Urinary symptoms like that constant gotta-go feeling and recurrent urinary tract infections. It continues to amaze me how many doctors have no idea that recurrent bladder infections are a consequence of menopause and can be easily eradicated with a little local vaginal estrogen. I go through all of that in episode 44, a deep dive into recurrent UTI. In addition to those symptoms that I just talked about that you might be well aware of, genital urinary syndrome menopause also includes physical changes that unless you get the mirror out, you might not ever notice. But before I go there, let me start with some terminology. 90% of the time when a woman is referring to her vagina, as in my vagina hurts or my vagina is red or my vagina has a rash, she's actually referring to her vulva. The vulva is everything on the outside, the stuff you can see like the labia, clitoris, and opening to the vagina. The vagina is an internal structure. You can't see your own vagina unless you happen to own a speculum. So when it comes to physical changes that occur after menopause and are a direct result of lack of estrogen, they're the external vulvar changes that you can see with that long-handled mirror in a decent light, and then the internal ones, the changes that occur inside the vagina. So starting on the outside and moving in. The skin surrounding and covering the vulva can get really thin and dry. The labia minora, the little lips that surround the vaginal opening, can get shorter and thinner. In some cases, they start to disappear. It's true. You can lose your lips. The tissue that surrounds the opening of the vaginal tissue is known as the vestibule. When women refer to their vagina, they're generally referring to the vestibule, which, strictly speaking, is part of the vulva not the vagina. I talk about the vestibule a lot because, well, the vestibule is the door to the vagina. And if you're interested in having penetrative sex, the vestibule needs to be lubricated and stretchy. In episode 27, Using Vaginal Estrogen But Sex Still Hurts Like Hell, I spend a lot of time explaining that too often women treat the vagina, but not the vestibule. And when it comes to having intercourse, it doesn't matter how nice the room is if you can't get through the door. GSM can make the vestibule tight and dry instead of the rosy pink that it should be. It can get really pale, almost white. In some cases, they're angry looking bright patches. You don't want an angry vestibule. The urethra, the opening where urine comes out, lives just north of the vaginal opening. It's not always easy to see, particularly in a young woman, but in GSM, it's actually easier to see because it starts to poke out a little bit instead of lying flat. 
This is known as urethral funneling. When I teach med students, I tell them, but before they even put a speculum in, they can be pretty sure a woman has GSM if she has urethral funneling. Okay, before I move inside, it's amazing to me how many people have no idea how many openings a woman has. If you ask random people on the street, something I've actually done as part of a segment for WGN Morning News, about 80% of people say that a woman has two openings. 5% say she has one opening. Only about 15% get it right. This is not a scientific study, so don't quote me. This was a Dr. Stryker random on the street study of people who agreed to publicly get quizzed to talk about female anatomy to air on a Chicago news program. Definitely a biased population. And if you're not in the 15% that's aware that there are three openings, one is vagina, two is urethra, and three is the rectum. Evidently, a surprising number of people think that urine comes out of the vagina which explains why so many people think that a woman cannot pee with the tampon in place. I ask that too. For my Chicago listeners who regularly watch me on the WGN Morning News, if you're wondering why you never saw that segment, it's because the producer killed it before it aired. Personally, I think it was because 0% of the guys were able to identify the clitoris on a diagram. I have no idea why they didn't think that was appropriate for morning TV. Back to the vagina. If you want to see these changes, you either need to own a speculum and be very coordinated Or next time you go to the gynecologist, ask them to let you use a mirror so you can see what they see. Seriously, in my clinic, a mirror is routinely offered, but that's not what happens in most offices. So you need to ask, and you might even need to bring your own long-handled mirror. Healthy vaginal walls look wrinkled. This is literally the only place on your body that wrinkles are desirable. These wrinkles are called rugae. Vaginal rugae are accordion-like folds in the vagina that allow for expansion during intercourse. But dry, atrophied, thin vaginal walls lose this wrinkly appearance and become very smooth. It used to be that you could look at the wrinkles on a woman's face to know her age, but with Botox, the only way to know for sure is to look in her vagina. The vagina never lies. Because of the loss of vaginal wrinkles, there's decreased elasticity. The tissues just don't stretch. Vaginal walls also can become really pale, almost white instead of a nice rosy pink, really dry, and unlike your postmenopause hips, really thin. Some vaginas get so thin and dry that they bleed when stretched or touched. The other really important change is the change in vaginal pH. pH is a measurement of the acidity level in the vagina. A healthy vagina has a low pH, 3.5 to 4.5, which allows healthy bacteria to thrive and populate the vagina. A menopausal vagina has a high pH, which can wipe out the good bacteria. pH is a whole other topic. I really need to do an episode on that, and it is, it's on the list. Not going to go there today. As a result of all these physical changes, women that have genital urinary syndrome of menopause experience very specific symptoms. Symptoms are divided into two categories, sexual symptoms and non-sexual symptoms. Sexual symptoms are zero lubrication, resulting what I refer to as sandpaper sex. In extreme cases, sexual activity isn't just painful, it is out of the question. It is impossible, which is why the solution for most women is to go into avoidance mode. Those are the women that end up cleaning out the linen closet at 10 p.m. instead of going to bed with their partner. There are a lot of downstream consequences to painful sex, loss of libido, difficulty having an orgasm, and of course, avoidance of intimacy, which ends up sabotaging a lot of relationships. I already mentioned the non-sexual symptoms, vulvar itching, burning, and irritation. There's also this constant 
awareness, for lack of a better word, of your vulva. And then there are the urinary symptoms. The hormonal and physical changes in the urinary tract tissue result in an unhealthy microbiome, back to the pH thing again, so that the healthy, good bacteria that you would like to have around clear out and the unhealthy bacteria take over. So again, that urinary frequency and urinary urgency and recurrent urinary tract infections are a consequence of menopause. Now, every woman doesn't experience all these symptoms, but most women experience at least one. And unlike hot flashes, these symptoms often don't occur immediately at the onset of menopause. They can show up years later, which is why many women don't associate these symptoms with menopause. So if you're one of those women who says, I'm done with menopause, but your vagina is like the Sahara Desert and you pee every 10 minutes, I have news for you. You're not done with menopause. You're not done with menopause until you die. Now that I've given you the bad news, I'm going to give you the good news. This is basically 100% fixable. And as a physician, it's pretty rare for me to say anything is almost 100% fixable. But this is. There's so many safe, effective hormonal and non-hormonal options. Beyond the -the over-the-counter lubricants and moisturizers, there are prescription local estrogen creams, rings, inserts, and tablets, vaginal DHA suppositories, oral espemaphine, and vaginal CO2 laser are also good options. A lot of times your choice is based on what your insurance covers and, you know, personal preference as well. But depending on your circumstance and specific symptoms, some products are going to work better than other products. Episode 83, Get the Biggest Benefit from Vaginal Creams, Rings, and Other Things, goes through all the options, the pros and the cons, and where they work best to help you figure out which is the best way for you to go. So if your doctor has told you this is a normal part of aging, or maybe try a lubricant, know that just because you weren't given a solution doesn't mean there isn't a solution. Your sex life isn't over, and you likely don't need to take one of those drugs for overactive bladder or constant antibiotics for recurrent urinary tract infections, and you certainly don't need a cystoscopy. And that's my message. Genital urinary syndrome of menopause is a fixable problem, but the solutions are not one size fits all any more than one speculum fits all. The women who have only mild genital urinary syndrome and menopause may be fine with the right lubricant. Other women may need a prescription remedy. It's not always enough to treat the tissue. The underlying muscles have been in keep out mode so long that they may also need some help from a pelvic floor physical therapist. I have tons of episodes that are going to give you a roadmap to restore your ability to have pain-free intercourse and to eliminate the other bothersome symptoms of genital urinary syndrome and menopause. And I'll list them all in the program notes. If you're a reader, my book, Slip Sliding Away, Turning Back the Clock on Your Vagina, specifically deals with the consequences of genital urinary syndrome and menopause. But however you do it, arm yourself with information and know your options. The guys have their Viagra, but there are solutions for women as well. I'm Dr. Lauren Stryker, and thank you for joining me. You will find lots more information in my inside information books available on Amazon.com. And follow Francie as she navigates her way through vaginal dryness, hot flashes, and pretty much every menopausal symptom you can think of.
Sci-Fi.